This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of practical shepherding. And I'm joined once again with Jim Sebastio. Hi, Jim. Hi, Brian. Good to see you again. Thanks, you too. We're going to jump right in in just a moment to the topic. But before we do that, just want to remind everybody, you can go to practicalshepherding.com, find all of our resources. There's articles, there's other podcast episodes that are there. And there's a way to be able to contact us if you would like to reach out to us to see if there's a way we could help you in some way. You can go to that contact page and write any kind of requests of topics that you want Jim and myself to to tackle on the podcast. So practicalshepherdney.com is where you find all those things. Feel free to go there and use those resources to whatever way it could be beneficial to you. And Jim, we want to jump into a topic that, another topic that somebody has asked us uh, to cover in some different ways. And that is, how does a pastor care for single moms in the church? And we could think of several scenarios around this. We have we have uh, single moms who are literally, you know, divorced. They're not married anymore. Their husband's gone, and they're in the church, and she's trying to care for her children and and support them and all those kinds of things. We have women in the in the church whose husbands abandoned them and are left in the church in that way. And even pastors are trying to help figure out how to how to try to care for a marriage and to try to figure out whether it is salvageable. We've got. Um, just all kinds of different scenarios that create. We, there are uh, girls who uh, get pregnant, not being married, and have children in the church. There's all kinds of scenarios around the single mom uh, situation in churches, and so we want to be able to tackle this in a general way, knowing there's all kinds of different layers and levels of this kind of stuff. But uh, pastorally, Jim, before we get into this topic, uh, as far as the specifics, just biblically, how can we think about? how to care for specific individual people in the church when they have unique situations. Yeah, I think, Brian, we're going to focus you know, maybe a bit more laser-like on this particular circumstance and situation. And it, in its effect, it's very much like the, it's, it's the widow and orphan, in a sense, or the widow and the fatherless, and, yeah. the, and, the, and really the term an orphan in the that we talk about orphan in the Old Testament is is fatherless, and and in certainly in a, in an ancient society, and and really up until modern times, a woman without a husband and a woman with a with with a child was in a very vulnerable state, and those children were in a very vulnerable state. Right, uh, economically and socially, uh, they were they were vulnerable. And then you add to it at times, you know, where there is a, a, a stigma, uh, even a, a, in a sense, almost a biblical stigma where you say, particularly for, you know, a child born out of wedlock, uh, you know, so you have several things. You have, you have the widow where literally the husband is gone, he's dead. You have, you have the divorce situation, which in many places carries its own stigma and its own set, set yeah, of difficulty. That's right. That's right. You have the, uh, the, those who are coming in where it's already it's it's a, a, a the situation is already established that is a woman comes she starts visiting the church she has kids there's no husband involved and then Brian you also have the situation where a single single girl she's part of your church single woman she's part of the church uh, and she comes she makes it known that uh, she's expecting and in in each of those situations you have to handle each of them diff- differently right. but there is a recognition that Whatever the origin state is, you're dealing with people in need that the certainly the scriptures recognize 
are in a vulnerable situation, uh, that they have financial needs, that they may have social needs, and that those kids uh, are going to need in, in some way to be some help in being fathered of having men in their lives and fathers in their lives right. to help and, and to rear them. So there's a, there's a, a broad <laughs> spectrum of background, a broad spectrum of need, but I think we have to eventually get to the point where we say, okay, how do we as a church uh, evaluate those needs and meet those needs? Because it says in the scriptures, you know, he sets the solitary in families. Mm-hmm. And so as these ones who are in a broken family situation come into a renewed the a new family situation of the church uh where you have you know jesus said nobody has left father mother uh husband wife children who shall not in this life and in the life to come have fathers mothers you know in a you know in a sense there's there's a new family that's given to them not mm-hmm. only in the world to come but in this world so i think that's kind of at least where i'm thinking brian where I, we need to start yeah I, I agree and i think first timothy 5 where the description of the how to the widow that's there and how to care for a widow is what i have often gone to when i've been in situations and that's been the most helpful text for me including just the ones that speak generally of widows mm-hmm. and orphans in those ways that when church members ask, how do we biblically understand this? I think that's an appropriate category. Even though Paul in 1 Timothy 5 is describing in detail a certain kind of widow mm-hmm. and how the church is to care for the mm-hmm. widow, I do think there's a lot of principles within that on how to apply it to these these different complicated, nuanced uh, situations that we find ourselves in in the church, with particularly with women who... Uh, don't have a husband, or the husband's gone, or debt, or whatever mm-hmm. that scenario is. So let's let's maybe pick apart some of the some of the different scenarios and how we would maybe approach care and even advising pastors. Say these are some things to think about. So let me bring up one thing that that I dealt with one of the one of the most painful situations I dealt with in my pastoral ministry. Mm. Uh, a couple in our church uh, that we we led that the church um, my wife and I met with for months. Led them to the Lord, baptized into the church. I married them, uh, spent years discipling them, marriage counseling, getting called to their house at crazy hours of the night because of uh, fights and difficulties and things like that. They had a daughter, and over eventually, through all of these years of investing in them, he eventually uh, abandoned his wife and daughter when she was about seven or eight years old, mm. and he and he, uh, post, and he and he abandoned his faith and left. Mm-hmm. And he also was the only one who was working in, in the time. So mm. she's left with no income, income, no career, no no job. And right. and so all of a sudden we found ourselves in this situation. So <clears throat> Jim, what what are some things you would advise pastors to think about around a situation like that where you have not just a a husband leaving, a husband abandoning the faith in the family, but to a lot of to the spirit of First Timothy 5 uh, there is major financial need and crisis in this family's life now because, and she's having to try to scramble and figure out how to actually make a living. So, thoughts around how you advise pastors around a situation like that, Brian? Some of this is going to be in a is going to depend upon what the church's resources are and and what their convictions are regarding this. As you laid that out, you know there are two situations that, like in our own church, that come very clearly to mind where you had. 
uh, in one case you had two children, in the other case there were four children. These were homeschooling moms uh, without careers, uh, and suddenly you know the breadwinner is gone. He has he has abandoned them. He's left them. Uh, on their own, and uh, so here are women who um, they need a they need a place to live, they need shelter, they need food, uh, all all the all the, the various things of life. So we actually stepped in in a in a fairly major way. Did you okay uh, to help them uh, as best we could to you know to get through even in, in some of these cases. Um, helping them with education, helping them with, you know, and that's what we chose to do. We had the ability to do it. It's what we chose to do. Now we could have said, okay, we're going to, let's, let's find a way. How do you find a way to help them? So like say the woman has to go to work. In this case, we helped them not to work for a time so that we said, listen, your kids are your priority. You want to continue to be investing in them. We don't want them to have to suffer. So we had the resources to be able to uh, help pay rent, to help do, you know, with mortgage payments and with uh, other ways to help them uh, to rear their kids. Not everybody, not everybody is able, uh, not everybody's able to do that. In both these cases now, these, the, both these women are now married, uh, are remarried and, and, you know, and have home situations and things like that. But okay. so the church stepped in in that way. So that was one practical way. And then the other was, uh, asking the question, what do we need to do for these kids beyond the financial? Right. Uh, particularly where the the father is still somewhat in the picture. I mean, he still exists. He's not dead. Uh, he's there. And wants so to that, be a part of their life. He just yeah, doesn't he want may, to be married yeah, anymore. Right, okay. right. Yep. And in some cases, maybe only intermittently wants to be involved, right. but he still is. In the other case, says, yeah, well, I want to help raise my my kids, but he's but he's gone and his you know religious status has changed he's no longer professing to be a faithful christian and yeah. and all of that and so that's another question because there's a there's a in a sense emotional needs and leadership needs uh, where you can try to uh, step in and so in some of these cases it was the men in the church trying to say okay what can we do and we haven't always done great in this. In some cases we did better than we did in others. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, in one of the cases, you know, we uh, we helped take those families on vacation in one of those cases okay. uh, another man in the church and I. So when we'd go on vacation, we would invite them along so cuz they had something they couldn't afford, something they couldn't do. Yeah. And that sort of thing. So just trying to be as much of a help, trying to maintain as much normalcy. Yeah. Uh, as possible. I would add something to that. That's good. I would add something to that in that we were in a church situation that didn't have the resources to do what you did. Quite frankly, if we had those resources, we probably would have done that. So I want to speak out of where probably a lot of people are coming from, that they don't have have resources to be able to invest significantly as your church chose to do. But our church was burdened by this situation. So people got creative in how to help this family from... We weren't able to, you know, have the funds in the church. So right. individuals stepped in and met right. some individual needs from taking groceries and toiletries to the to the to the family at different times to helping her find a job, try to figure out how to establish some kind of career now. I I'm really grateful for the way that some tried to jump in and, and try to help think through that, people who have connections and all those kinds of things. So I, I think I just want to put out there that the you know, there's endless resources, both from a physical standpoint, but also from a, a spiritual standpoint. Right. So, yeah, there's 
there's an men emotional tried, standpoint, yeah, other there, things like that. There's men that tried to step in and just be a male, just a, a positive male figure in this girl's life. Mm-hmm. And and again, sometimes some situations are done better than others. But we would both affirm, I think we could say that that is a good practical way that a pastor can challenge his his own congregation is hey you know build a relationship you know be a, with this this girl i mean don't not to try to take a fatherly role or re- replace that or whatever that's that's a different kind of situation but at least be a positive male figure in her life or his life that that you can invest in them be a part of their life influence them uh, i i i watched um, you know well i've got a friend who who's uh, who's a pastor now but when his when his dad uh, abandoned his family abandoned his church and his family was just left in the parsonage uh, he would testify of men that had a huge impact on his life through those teen years that he was there so don't underestimate how much the the men and women in your church can play a spiritual parental type roles that could be really fruitful and helpful. Wouldn't you agree, Jim? I do. And I think there may be a difference between if, if, are there boys involved or are there little girls involved, you know, because, you know, maybe with the, with the younger guys, again, they, they, they need some of that very much need. I think both of them are in need of a masculine uh, presence uh, in their lives. There's a reason why God gives fathers and mothers Mm -hmm. and the, um, but I can think of a situation where we had years and years ago at the beginning of our church life, one, th- one of the, there was a, a grandmother raising a little, her, her grandson. He was a little boy. He was like three, two or three when I first uh, came here. And men in the church really s- stepped in and did an awful mm. lot um, uh, with them and other families sometimes took on vacation uh, with us, uh, you know, again, to give them something to do. Uh, that young man and I had a, had a pretty much a regular, at least once a week, getting together. Um, mm. And it wasn't just, yeah, I, I wanted them to be able to have some fun. And so, it, you know, building airplanes, uh, going to one of the, there used to be a mall in the area that had a little amusement park on the inside. I don't mm. know if you remember that River, oh, yes. River Falls Mall or oh, whatever yes. it's called over in Indiana. So I had, you know, little, uh, anyway, little rides and video games yeah. and things like that. Uh, so we would call it a pal day, you know, that we would go and That's just great. And, and pal around. But that was a part of that was just a, a recognition that as an opportunity uh, that the men of the church had, it wasn't just me, it was several of the men that stepped in and, and tried to provide some of that role, teaching them how to drive, teaching them yeah. You know, the basics of manhood as he got older. So let's shift to another scenario, which is a woman comes into our church and visits and eventually be- joins the church mm-hmm. who's coming in as a single mom and yeah. maybe has a yep. couple of kids. Yep. And uh, the, the father's been gone mm-hmm. or, uh, for quite a while, or you know, it, it's, it's something that's been a few years. In other words, they've established themselves as a family unit in this way without the without the dad right. there she's got a career she's supporting the family right they're stable from a financial perspective in that way so how what additional things should we think about on how the church can care for that particular lady and her kids uh well again so obviously this isn't these aren't just uh uh theoretical scenarios these have real faces right. Uh, right. you know to me so i've got a I have a woman in mind and got her her kids in mind uh, in, in that kind of a thing. So you have to ask yourself, again, what, what are their basic needs? So, I mean, there, there are spiritual needs that are generally met. 
through simply the ministry of the word and the gospel and Christian fellowship, you know, that they, these are these are people that have those very basic social needs, spiritual needs. Uh, you in these kinds of situations, I always want to know: Are there any practical needs? And and so you ask questions. So in this one of the scenarios I'm thinking of here, you know, uh, what are your financial needs? What family do you have? Do you have family in town? You know, in this case, she's got her father and mother in town. Okay. Uh, who helps out with the kids? You know, what, what are your needs there? Do we need to form some? Do the, do the deacons need to be informed? Does there need to be uh, some kind of structure in place where if she has to work that, you know, some of the ladies can come by, pick up the kids after school and keep them for time, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes that's already there and it's already established. And so I, th- I think you have to try to face each circumstance as it comes but again, asking, you know, they, they have the, they're going to be in need in ways that not, you don't assume everybody else is. When a, a new couple comes in, you don't necessarily say, hey, what are your finances? And hey, how you doing? Are you able to pay your bills? And, and that kind of a thing. Whereas for her, you know, something happens, the car breaks down or something like that. You're not thinking, well, the guy can just work overtime and, you know, whatever, or, or you know, take, it, take care of it. So I think you have to have those kinds of scenarios in mind. Some women are going to be much more upfront. They're going to let you know what their needs are. Others are going to be, they're just not uh, wired that way. And so I think you probably need, in that case, to instruct the diaconate to come and to have somebody who's a point man or one of the deacon's wives yep. or whoever who's who's on point, who's checking in with them regularly, not just spiritually, hey, how you doing, and do you have any needs, but they're able to come and ask specific questions, mm-hmm. and she may feel more open and talking yep. to them. I know some of the some of the brothers who listen to this will have you know, or those who listen to this will have deaconesses and others where they might feel more free to talk about that. But I think having something structured, someone who is a point person to check on those things, because I think we have a, we do have something of a financial responsibility uh, to those under our cares to make sure that their needs are met. I think this is a good time to also mention that we, these are a lot of these things can be applied to single dads as well. Yeah. I was going to say that's a, that was another, uh, I'm, I'm, one of the things that's been on my heart lately is a guy I know who just lost his wife. He's got seven kids. Yeah. And they're no longer at our church, at a church, a sister church, you know, down the road a bit. But, you know, we have had some contact with the pastor about that. How in the world do you, do you take care of them? Now, that's a different kind of a well, – it's a whole different kind of a need. I, I want to bring this up because a lot of what you're talking about, whether it's a single mom or a single dad, you know, I would just ch- – you know, I think about this quite often, and I would challenge – uh, pastors, if you are married and you have a family, to think about how much we work as a team right. to pull this family thing off, right. running kids' places, even combined uh, you know, incomes and all those kinds of things. So eliminate one of those people, and you're, you're in charge of doing everything, getting the kids to yeah. school and activities and laundry and meals and all this kind of stuff right. for everybody, and, and having to work full-time to support the family. So right. I, I think we need to also put out there that uh, some of the advice you're giving, which I think is good, around how the church can jump in to help serve uh, can be a, a really helpful thing to do, again, in ways that are that are helpful. You need to let that family uh, guide. There's well-intended people who could offer to do this or or do that. To, you know, the, the cliche is the mother-in-law who offers to go clean her daughter-in-law's house for her, you know, uh, 
a week after she's had a baby or something, and it's an incredibly stressful event because right. you know it's mom, it's mother-in-law, it's you know she's not <laughs> she's she's in that domain, she's putting things in places they're not supposed to go, and I, I think so. We have to also acknowledge pastors need to be careful on how they care, you know, well intentions and, and encouraging church members to do things. You almost want to find the balance of letting that single mom, that single dad share with you, here's what would be helpful to me, and then try to meet that need instead of trying to just look at the situation and go, oh, I think this is how I can be helpful and kind of insert yourself. Yeah. Wouldn't would, would you agree that's an important balance? It, it to find? is. And I think, Brian, one thing I should have mentioned earlier, and I think we need to, 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 to bring out as well, is that all of these people that we're dealing with have also been traumatized. That's right. And in some cases, they're also they're, they are exceedingly lonely. Mm-hmm. Uh, a woman whose conversation is with four-year-olds and five-year-olds, and that's it. And she goes into an empty bed at night, and there's no one to comfort her. There's no one to, to hold her. Uh, when she is emotionally fragile, she doesn't have somebody that – you know, might say sometimes, you know, just, hey, let me just hold you or, you know, come, you know, sit next to me or sit on my lap or let me take you out. Let me, you know, there's just, there's nobody there and they don't have, you know, and I think about this man who just lost his wife, you know, he's got the empty bed uh, and there's the empty place at the table. And helping and, the kids do that. Yeah, and the help, but yeah, but just yeah. the companionship, your lover. Yeah. In some cases, they've been abandoned. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, it's not so. It's not just that they've died. In some of these cases, it's I don't want to be around you anymore. I don't like you anymore. I don't love you anymore. I, I want to be with this other person. Yeah. And so they're dealing with abandonment, or they or they're dealing with the aftermath of abuse. Right. Uh, maybe the the husband was you know they needed to get out of this situation because the husband was abusive. Maybe the husband was. A predator in some way, you know that he was he was endangering the children. Right. So there's yeah. all kinds of of counseling that might need to be added on top of. We've been really focusing some, so maybe to a degree on the uh, on the uh, uh, on the uh, on the social matters and on the economic matters, which I think are important. But I think we also need to remember that it's at the end of the day. We don't just want our bills paid and our, you know, we, we want we want people to invest in us and right. to love us and to know us. And I mentioned taking some of we did. We took some of these families on vacation in some of those cases, you know, the, it may not have been as, as emotionally healthy for us to be able to do that. But it was a way of saying that these people need friendships um, and to invite them into the home. We tend as families to invite people that look like us into our home. So so the couple with little kids become friends with couples with little kids. There's the single, the the couples without kids hang out with the others without kids. And and we feel awkward. Oh, can I have this woman over with her three kids when there's no husband? And is that awkward? Or have the man over, you know, when there's no wife? And you feel well. It's it's almost feels incomplete. It's not. It's incompatible or something. But I think we need to remember that that that's needed. And remember these people at Thanksgiving. Remember them at Christmas time. Yeah, remember right. them on their birthdays. Remember the kids on their birthdays. Those kinds of things that that maybe seem trivial are, are really a, a part of our just wholeness as people. Last thing I think I want us to to cover is so how much should the church be proactive? especially if it's a younger single mom or a younger single dad who's in the church, how much should, if at all, should a church make an effort to try to help them find someone else 
possibly to be able to, to remarry? Or is that something the church just needs to stay totally away and out of? Well, Paul believed, in the case of younger widows, Paul believed that you, you ought to be involved in it. And when he's, it's really, it's an interesting passage. And I, I, I've almost laughed at it at times. I would that the younger women get married and, you know, have children, keep house. And I thought, how do you do that? You know, yeah. did Timothy then say, uh, uh, Rachel, I want you to meet uh, Joel. Uh, Joel's one of our widowers, and uh, he said he'd be willing to marry you. How does Tuesday look? You know, is, yeah. is that what, it, you know, maybe in that culture, it's kind of, okay, and he's going to take care of you, and he's agreed to help raise but, your kids. But we can agree, though, there's that doesn't work at all in this context. Well, in, in that, no, no, not in our context yeah. necessarily. But no, but one of the things that hit me with it is that, and I realize people have different convictions, you know, how did the divorce take place? If it's a... If, if, if it's a widow, it's easy. If it's, uh, you know, that's the easy one. If it's a divorce, I realize for some they have convictions about this and there's other things. But my, my general encouragement is, yeah, to help them to find somebody, yeah. help them find a spouse, help yeah. them to uh, pursue uh, a marriage. So what, what I would advise, but what I would advise pastors is just be really careful in how you approach, approach this issue. Um, and again, I think that there, there's. I think there's one more thing more annoying to a single person in the church when all the different people in the church with good intentions are trying to set them up and matchmake. That would be to take somebody who's either lost their spouse or their spouse abandoning them or whatever, and the church trying to matchmake in those ways. Right. Having said that, having said that, I do think uh, I do think a pastor and a church can play. Uh, important role if that person decides to pursue someone else, decides to remarry. So actually, in the, one of the scenarios that, that we faced as a church, uh, the last thing I did was try to matchmake. I didn't think that was my role. But I certainly pastored this lady through her pursuing another relationship eventually. Yeah, And, and I was proactive in it. Uh, one of the things that meant most to her is that I supported her in it. And you know she got mixed. She got mixed responses from people in the church mm. that actually became hurtful to her uh, as she was you know years down the road pursuing. And of course, like you said, there's different views. There's some people that have the view that you know if uh, that you shouldn't remarry if you you know right. if you've been divorced in any way. And or when she ended up getting a divorce over this husband abandoning her. So there are, there were people who had differing views, and they shared them. Which is unhelpful generally in those situations. Uh, so those, yeah, so I, w- I would say one of the things you can do as a pastor in those situations is be really careful to to try to push some kind of relationship on anybody, but be support if if any way you can be supportive of it. Be supportive. Be proactive. Be public about it uh, because that that I found can be really meaningful to somebody who's trying to sort through all this. Like you said, the, they're dealing with the the heartache and the brokenness and the pain of losing their spouse or, or whatever for whatever reason that took place. There's going to be things that need to be worked through, and uh, pastors can be a help in shepherding and carrying through that process is what I th- is a great role I think a pastor can play. Any any final word on that, Jim? I, 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 do, do we have time, Brian, to ask one final question yeah, on this? Yep. Go all right. Uh, got a 17-year-old girl in the church who okay. becomes a mom. Yeah. Um, is she a member of the church? You know, these are various questions that ask. Is she, was she a member of the church? Was she a professing Christian? 
but regardless of, of some of this and whether some type of reproof or some kind of even discipline needs to take place, we are a pro-life community. Sometimes the temptation has been, even their stories being told of, you know, the the, the Baptist dad, you know, he's a deacon. He gets the, takes the girl out to get an abortion or something like that. Oh, wow. Which is a horrible, but, yeah. you know, you hear those kinds of, of circumstances. But here she is. Her, you know, the child was conceived in sin. You can't hide it. It's there in front of the church. Her belly swells, and a little baby comes in, and it's not given up for adoption, but she decides to raise it. There's some stigma involved in that. Uh, there's, uh, in particularly, and depending on what your church background is, that may be a big stigma attached to that. Uh, how does the church look to that little one who's now father, you know, who may well be fatherless? The same kind of circumstances, situations, uh, or, or do they, or are they involved in that circumstance and situation, or is that in a totally different class? Well, I think this could be a separate podcast conversation, right? It's so involved. And so I, 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 I hesitate to spell a bunch of details around a situation like that. I will say this, uh, <clears throat> be, just because a, uh, a sin maybe has greater, you know, has longer lasting consequences uh, than other sins doesn't mean one is, is necessary. We get, need to be careful that we don't rate sins around. Exactly. This. So <clears throat> I would say that obviously there, um, you you deal with sin in the same way you deal with it, and that's you you work through it. You you turn from it. You repent. You confess it. And but then I think the church needs to embrace that girl and that that child. Right. That, that child is that child is innocent in exactly the midst of all this. Right. And and I think it's a wonderful opportunity for uh, for the a church to show God's grace to uh, certainly that that child and love that child from the beginning and. And that and that girl as well. You know, yeah. I, I think I think you work through the aspects of confession, acknowledgement, working through those things. But once you know, if you're able to move through that, that girl needs to be loved. Uh, that child needs to be loved. And I, that I know I, that's how I would certainly encourage our church to do that. Now, in a real world, there's going to be people who are judgmental all throughout that. And probably don't even love her the same, or love that child like they right, should. Right. I want to acknowledge that. I think I think that's I think that's not good, but yeah. I think that's church life. Yeah, it's not without reason that Hawthorne wrote the Scarlet Letter, and and right. and, uh, and had this woman forever marked uh, as immoral in the eyes of the people as she you know raised that little one. That's right. And and, and again, and ours is a, is to be not a community of condemnation, but ultimately a community of grace. I think that just wanted to bring that in because yeah. initially that was really the uh, you know one of the major questions that was asked that led to this discussion was that particular scenario. But it opens the long the larger picture. Of of how to care for uh, those in the church where there's where there is to some degree a broken family. That's the last thing I'll say on this. I, 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 you don't ignore that this was something that came out of a, a you know a sinful act. Um, but what I think a pastor has to work especially hard within a situation like this, <clears throat> because I think people will be so judgmental in the church mm-hmm. in some ways. A pastor almost has to go overboard the other way, even more than he probably feels comfortable. <clears throat> to challenge that church to love that child and that that girl who's in that you know in that situation because you know <clears throat> yeah I, I just I in in many of our church circles like I said that's that's why the scarlet leather was written is that that's the typical response I think in many churches 
And if if we're going to be about the gospel and yeah. redemption, I think we have to be very careful on how we love somebody well like that, because it's also going to be a reflection of of somebody who comes into the church who we need to be able to love everybody who comes in and mm-hmm. hoping that the, the power of Christ can be at work in them. The spirit of God can be at work in them, re- redeeming them. Yeah. We could, boy, we could really spend a lot of time. Yeah. On you this. opened a can of worms I, I, I that did. one, Jim, but All we're right. going to have to shut it I'll down. I'll close so it down. Close it down. Close us in prayer. All right. Heavenly Father, we do desire that our flocks will be places of, of hope and of healing and as uh, Brian has said, uh, places where redemption is is lived out. And Father, we do pray for the, you know there are some who are in despair, who have been abandoned, who have suffered uh, such great loss, uh, and are coming into the church so vulnerable and so needy. And Father, we pray that we would uh, openly and clearly display Your own heart for the whole person in being places of healing uh, as we strive to walk together in this broken world. We pray this for your glory and for the good of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.